Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm thrilled to have back on the show for the third time, the author of Getting Things Done, David Allen. In this conversation, he and I talk about his brand new book, Getting Things Done for Teens, Take Control of Your Life in a Distracting World. His co-authors were Mike Williams and Mark Wallace. This is just a great conversation, revisiting the GTD methodology, not just for teens and synthesizing it in a way that they, and even those younger than them, can understand. But us adults, us adults who have already been familiar with GTD at some point in our lives and are either using it now or using parts of it now or not using it at all for that matter can get it again, or maybe even in some cases, get it for real for the very first time, a better understanding of it due to the simplicity of the way the information is presented in this book. Personally, I'm really excited to use this book as a way to get my family all on the same page to where we could do a family weekly review and start to move forward and not just get things done or get more done as a family, but to do some of the things that we've been wanting to do for a long time. So go into this conversation with open minds and open ears if you have been familiar with GTD in the past, and I think you'll get something new out of this conversation with David Allen. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show for the third time. It's been a while, but it's David Allen. David, welcome back to the show. Hi, Eric. Delighted to be back with you again. Yay. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a while. I mean, I think the first time was you were generous enough to, gosh, within the first 10, 15 episodes of my show, way back in 2012, I just said, eventually, I'd like to have David Aladon. And I reached out and it was your wife who graciously said he'd love to and said, how about this date? And I said, yes. And so I then scrambled to like, make sure I could... uh you know, be prepared to have a great conversation. And it was. And then back in 2015, you had the revamp of the Getting Things Done book. And that, I think, was the last time we talked. So it's been a while. But you're back. And you and Mike Williams and and Mark Wallace, who you call them the heavy lifters, you've come out with a book called Getting Things Done for Teens. And I love the subtitle, Take Control of Your Life in a Distracting World, because for teens, it's even more distracting, I think, right? No kidding. I just met a woman. She has an 11-year-old son. She looked at his iPhone and he had 500 WhatsApp messages. Now, she, she said, hey, but he's cool enough to go, eh, yeah, I don't pay much attention to that. He's still doing his homework. But boy, 
you know, <laughs> it's a different world. <laughs> it is a different world. And I think that's, that's one of the things like these digital natives at the same time as it being more distracting for them. It's also, they have a whole different attitude about it in some ways. Although I was just down in Florida visiting my uncle a few weeks ago and I happened to glance at his phone and his email. For one, he had their little red bubble with the number on it on his email, which I hate and get rid of, you know, <laughs> as soon as, as I get a, you know, new device, but it was in the thousands and I just couldn't understand how he could have that there and ignore it. Not to do deep dive into the stress of digital technology, although maybe we can go there a little bit. The idea here, you brought all the stuff from GTD into this book, the five steps, the levels of focus, the planning map, all things that people that are already familiar with GTD will come to know and recognize and love. Why GTD for teens? Teens don't necessarily want to get out of overwhelm. They want to get out of jail. (laughs) So, you know, so they're presenting issue is really more, how do I get what I want to be doing? How do I get clear and stay clear on that when I'm just sort of developing my own thought processes and my own systems, if I even have them to begin with? And so it needed a little bit of a reframe for kids in their own language. It's funny. I mean, you know, one of the things in the book, you know, in the, in, in the back, we put in some just little exercises that people don't play with it, but it's the you know, at the end of the week, the unpack your pack, repack your pack, little exercise. Like, hey, you know, come on, most kids, they tend to accumulate stuff, as we all do. And they need to, at some point, start to build a habit of just emptying out all the stuff they, they collected, whether that's homework, whether that's, you know, empty gum wrappers, and then repack it. So they get ready. So are you ready for the weekend? Are you ready for the next week? Are you ready for? And that was also another frame, you know, that Mike and Mark were so brilliantly, you know, sort of framed this because they both have kids. You know, I don't. Are you ready for the the prom? Are you ready for the the final exam? Are you ready for the the whatever? And there's a whole lot of you know, parents that pull their hair out because their kids are going, well, wait a minute, I need, well, what about this? And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a last minute scramble. I mean, you must, Eric, have to deal with that at some point with a 13 year old, right? Yeah. Well, and so there's uh-huh. kind of the rub there. It's like, you know, some people come out with books and they say, this book's for everyone. And then others are like, no, there's a niche for this book. And, you know, the word teen is in the title. But honestly, I think parents may in some ways benefit more from this book. <laughs> Look, this is a Trojan horse. We hope and expect at least for a certain certain level of teens that they're actually going to be educating their parents, you know, with this book. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. I mean, it, even even the fact that like, okay, you say so you talk about the, you know, with the backpack, the unpacking and the repacking. As I was reading it and as you said it again, I had this kind of pain point in my brain. My daughter who will get home from school and instead of unpacking or even unpacking later in the day, you know, into the evening or whatever, she will put the backpack well, one, she doesn't even put it in her room and then two, she puts it, you know, plain out in sight but does nothing with it and it's this kind of, and then we find papers later that should have been done you know, we should have signed off on and things like that. It's this whole getting into the rhythms and routines of having a system sooner and I know this stuff seems almost common sense but in a sense it is, you know, or should be at least. Excuse me. This took me years to develop the habit, which I have. I will not come back because now I, you know, I live in Amsterdam, so we we travel on bikes all the time. So I've got I've got a pack, and man, when I come back, I have to take that pack and empty it. You know, crap self generates; it doesn't self destruct. And so things that you just show up in there, you know, and it's like, oh god, I, and I have to train myself to do that. So whether it's whether I'm traveling and have a you know big briefcase I travel with me, I I you know just building that in as a habit. If nothing else, if this book does nothing else but train 
teens and adults to, <laughs> to unpack and repack, you know, whatever it is that you move around with, that'd be worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Well, and you're getting at kind of this, this notion here where, again, I said, it's, it's almost secretly going to be, like you said, Trojan horse, more helpful for parents, not just in the interaction between their teens and themselves and both of them learning separately, but, you know, the cumulative effect of all of the, you know, the family operating on a GTD mindset. I think that's a, a whole lot of what was behind this too, was that we've seen over the last Golly, you know, what's it been since the first, you know, the, the first edition came out, what, 18 years? Yeah, 2001. It, so, yeah, we, we've seen that whole family starting to build a common lexicon so that you understand, hey, what's your next action on this? And where are you going to park that? And, you know, where should I put this in case you're not around where, that you will see it again so that people start to build in baskets for each other and, and a common vocabulary about how to engage with the commitments of our lives. For a whole a family is a there's probably the most fertile place to train that to build that and to you know and support it as a as a as a whole thought process methodology that's just absolutely required these days for everybody. For me, it's always been I'm the one that's operating with a system, and the rest of the family's gone rogue. So <laughs> getting getting the whole family on board, it's kind of like okay, now I finally have my tool to again, like you said, I think it's perfect phrasing is Trojan horse this into even my son who you he can look at the pictures and say, well, I understand what the monkey means, and I understand what the owl means, you know? Yeah. So no, 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 no. Very cool. And uh, by the way, the, the, there's uh, I just did a, a, a conversation with me and Mark. Mark and Mike, you know, on uh, that that's on yes. the podcast now. So if you if you if you hear that or have people listening to this that want to tap to that too, if you have a link to that, that's a great conversation to to that that fills in a lot of the blanks about why this framework and this framework that's in a way simpler and yet at the same time has as much complexity and depth as anyone wants to move into, you know, as an adult. You know, about this methodology. Yeah, I'll make of, sure to oh. link that up in the show notes. And 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 you're getting at the the point here. So, for example, the first book came out in 2001 as an entirely different context back then because we were pre smartphone and you know even pre laptop to a certain extent, really. Yeah. Mainstream yeah. wise. And, and that's the year I graduated college. And it wasn't till 2005, four years later that I read the book. And I wished I'd had it, you know, in college and even high school, like my daughter now will even have it in junior high. And, and I think this is great because it's training younger people now to start practicing these skills so that they're so much better at it than even we are years later. And, you know, her being 13 and can start getting practice in the, the GTD methodology way ahead of when I was. Uh, but not only that, it's packaged in a way that there's these highly visual elements to the book. It's not just text. There's all these quick trials or quick wins or activities in the book to try this. I mean, this, this is a book that my wife and I have decided that we will put in the chunk of books. We will pay our daughter to read. It's worth it <laughs> that much. Yes. It's, it's worth it that much to us to pay her to read it. Way cool, Eric. Well, you know, interestingly, you know, we now know and have had the experience, uh, you know, a, a guy who was my CTO for many years, actually home homeschooled his five uh, kids. And from the day one, you know, they were trained in thinking this whole thought process. And these kids write their own tickets now. I mean, they're now married, but they, you know, these kids were were kids that were winning robotics competitions at age 12 
I said, well, you know, what do we need to do? Oh, okay. Well, of course you don't keep things in your head. And these, his girls actually went to my seminars at, at very, very young ages. And this whole thing was built into their family as a whole context about how they thought about this. And the world is their oyster. You know, basically they, they just go, of course, outcome, action. You know, they, they, <laughs> they became, you know, they went to college and became the, they, they managed the, some version of, of the tech inside their college you know, while they were going to school there <laughs> because they were so good at all this stuff, you know, and, you know, um, Meg Edwards, who was our senior coach and, and did a whole lot of our coach. She, she's now, you know, we've got a partnership with her and, and the company GTD focus to do, you know, GTD coaching in the U S but her daughter, Annie, she was the youngest person to ever go through a GTD seminar at age three months. <laughs> so, you know, and and then Annie is now, you know, she's now like doing brilliant stuff in college and, and and whatever. So you know, kids can get this right from early on. As soon as they as soon as they can be you know coached into, well, what do you want to have true? What's the next step? How old does a kid need to be to understand those questions? I've been thinking about this a lot since I read the book and the difference between my 13 year old daughter and my seven year old son. And, you know, it may seem like there's a world of difference, you know, age wise between them, but even he can kind of get it because I was thinking about the two minute rule where it's like, Hey, if I ask you to do something, you do it because I already know you have the time to do it. I know you have the two minutes, you know, it's a, it's a permissible interaction or, or distraction that I'm giving you. And it's a, it's a not later, but now kind of a thing. And, and the reason being it's uh, that, that I kind of trained him and her with that is, is it's not only good for our relationship that you do what I say right now, but it's good for you because you can understand that the thing that you want to keep doing right now, you can come back to it. You know, you're not going to forget it. But if you say, yes, I'll do that thing that dad asked me to do after I'm done with this thing, most likely you're going to forget it and then it doesn't get done. So that's kind of a translation that I've been thinking about in terms of that, the two minute rule and kind of just, will you please go do this one thing for me really quick? <clears throat> but so. if nothing else, Eric, come on, a weekly review for a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you guys do sit down and say, look, what's coming up? What's got on your calendar? What what are things we need to be aware of? What's what's got your attention right now? How can we help you? You know, what can we do to help make this easier for you? You know, what great questions? Well, yeah, of course, yeah. for managers, executives, you know, uh, the people and their staffs and people in their families, anybody. I mean, these are great questions to do. But boy, when we've seen families start to build in family weekly reviews, wow, does that relieve a lot of pressure? Yeah, that's huge. And again, that's kind of where the whole unpacking and repacking thing comes into play as well, because they understand, well, not only is there a backpack, a literal backpack that you that you take with you in the morning and bring back with you at the end of the day, but once a week, we kind of have a family backpack that we yeah. unpack, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So Way cool. I keep thinking back again about the, the the ideal world of back when I was a teen, if I had, you know, I used a pad of paper or a Franklin planner that would travel around with me to school and, and all that. But uh, these days, as digital natives, teens don't or won't necessarily do that. They've got a smartphone or a tablet or both. And there's this danger, I think, in, in them using only digital to do to, and you guys get at this in the book, this high possibility that digital can lead to distraction. And it's not that we can't get distracted with analog. It's just that digital gets us there faster, right? So yeah. 
And, and we talk about this in the book. I mean, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, the difference between those, and then even giving them, you know, a, a personification where the amygdala is a monkey and it's Miggy the monkey and the prefrontal cortex is Cortland and it's Cortland the wise owl and the difference between shifting between those. And I love in the book where you guys even have addressed this a bit when you have an exercise of saying, hey, put down your phone. How long can you go before you feel the need to pick it up again? And don't just put it down, shut it all the way off and pause for a few minutes and now see how you notice, you know, what you notice and how you feel. And I think really addressing that and getting into that world that they live in and, and, and heck for that matter, parents now live in, you know, I, I think, I think again, and it's another Trojan horse. Like how many parents really need to hear this and do this exercise too, right? Of course, of course. And I love it, you know, and again, if people listen, if you if you got the link in there to our conversation as, you know, Mark, one of my co-authors, who's a public school teacher now in, in, in Minneapolis, he'd sort of, you know, taught the kids he's teaching about this in his own way. And his classroom was quiet. I mean, these are, you know, eight, nine, ten years. I don't know what the age they were, but they're, you know, elementary school. And he said it was a real quiet room. And suddenly somebody in the back screamed, Miggy. And he went, what is this? And the kid had recognized that he had been distracted by this part of his brain that wanted to run off into distraction. And he had to recognize it and shut it up. You know, that's going to serve this kid the rest of their lives and everybody they interact with for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's huge. And I think that comes into play whether you're using analog or digital. But of course, I think that there's... I mean, you, you end up saying, you know, use whatever works. And I think that mostly it, that tends to be with, with systems, you know, use pad and paper, use digital if you need to or want to, whatever works. Personally, for me, capturing and moving tasks around or putting them away to where they're in a, a future folder that I don't need to see digitally, that all happens faster and easier for me digitally. But I like to sit down and do a capturing or a clarifying or a mind mapping, you know, a brain dump, basically the first one to three ish steps in the five steps. Uh, you know, I like to go to the coffee house, sit down with a pad of paper and a pen only and uh, a cup of coffee and kind of work through those without a high possibility of digital distraction. So, well, Eric, ideal theme for anybody is to feel totally comfortable with all of that. So you, you're not going, Oh, I don't, I can't do analog or, Ooh, wow. I'm just, I'm afraid of digital. You better have both. And you have the freedom to do either or whichever one seems to be the most appropriate for you. If you get the GTD, the getting things done methodology, then it really doesn't matter in a way because what you're not going to let happen is extraneous stuff lie around in any of the corners and cracks of either of these worlds. And you're going to use whichever of those worlds is the easiest for you to engage with in order to be able to externalize thoughts. You want the freedom to be able to do both making it less of a analog versus digital and maybe an analog and digital. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, hey, let me, I'll, I'll capture this where I'll write this on my arm. I don't care you know, <laughs> <laughs> if I have to, if I don't have anything around. But the nice thing about analog is of course, you don't know Wi-Fi required, no batteries required, whatever. And all I have to do is I, don't, I have no clicks required. So as you know, you know, if you listen to my stuff, you know, I, my capture stuff is primarily low tech because you know, I need to be able to pull that out, jot a note when I have it, as opposed to having even to click anything on. You know, I have digital capture tools, but they're they're not nearly as effective as my low techs are when things are showing up at very random ad hoc moments. 
So I need to be able the freedom to have to do either one. I just need to make sure my systems are set up so that that none of that falls through a crack. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic? For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At some point, you know, adults pick up the book and they can get overwhelmed by it. And this is that's why this book is, I think, potentially even a better option for some adults to get into this. Uh, you know, that's a simplified version to an extent. And, uh, you know, there's there's a world of difference between the maturity of a teen starting junior high and one getting near the end of high school or even, you know, adults my age. I, I just think this is going to be a great way for them to shoehorn in. Who even knows what a shoehorn is anymore? I don't know. I guess I guess I'm still using terminology <laughs> myself. Jeez, I they still I, have that. They still have that in in in, in four star hotels. Yes, yeah. yes. And they well, still have shoehorns in there. Well, funny thing is, is like I've literally never had to use one. I've just known the term my whole life too. So it's it's anyway. One of the things I think, though, other than getting hung up on first and foremost not capturing things, not getting things out of their head to begin with, is potentially the feeling of they're spending more time managing the system than getting things done. They're, they're spending, you know, or they feel like they're spending way too much time managing the stuff 
that maybe shouldn't have ever made it onto a list to begin with. What do you say to people like that, you know, when, and, and teens too, cause you know, they've got things coming at them from all different directions and might think, you know, as a rebuttal to their parents saying, Hey, check out this book. Yeah, but I don't want to spend so much time managing my stuff. I just want to get it done. Well, ask the teen if they're on any sports team, how much time do they need to spend practicing and finding out what the moves are? If they're trying to learn to drive, do you have a car? Do you have a manual? Do you know what the, the rules of the game are about how to manage that stuff? So interestingly, most people think about organizing as a negative thing when they're not particularly engaged in what they're trying to be involved with. Ask any kid that's, that loves to draw, show me your pens and, and your paintbrushes that need as a pen. Ask any kid, you know, hey, you know, where's your soccer stuff? You know, they've got it all organized so they know what to take when they go to the game. So, it, interestingly, the whole idea of organizing as, a, as some hard thing to do is only because you're not that particularly engaged in whatever the result is you're after. Mm, yeah. So, it feels like that again, they're, they're being forced to clean their room, you know, in teen methodology or, or terminology, but they don't see the benefits of having the clean room. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, again, I, I, you know, as I talk with people who are trying to figure out their own system of organizing and getting things done, some people, you know, trying to be productive, regardless of what other methodology you're using can feel like hard work. But once you get that in your head, what the outcome is, and the ease of being able to identify what that next step is. Identifying what the next step is for me is one of the biggest shifts in my thinking that ever came about when it came to GTD, for sure. So, Well, my challenge, Eric, over all these years has been, how do I convince people that more space, more room in their psyche is a valuable place to be and there's a way to get there? Because that's all this produces. Look, if you've got a kid that just throws their crap all over their room, at some point, they're trying to look for underwear, they're trying to look for their soccer thing, or they're trying to look for whatever. Well, was that a fun process to do that? Well, no. Well, hey, how about if you put this in this box and put these kind of things in this kind of place so that, hey, when it's time to do what you need to do, you, know, you don't have to spend that much time to do that. And I don't know how you convince people to do that. Yeah. I, I, still, I still don't. So I still scratch my head. So I'm trying to do the best I can. Let people know that, hey, guys, more room in your psyche is a cool place to be. But you have to have a reason to have more room in your psyche. When we're in a world where tasks or crap in the room, uh, you know, stacks up digitally or otherwise, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to those that are already doing GTD. It's easy to blame the system and say, oh, I'm spending I'm spending too much time doing GTD to be actually getting things done. And I think, yes, you can identify and say, it, it is the system's fault, or rather, it's actually a fault in the system, but it's a fault in the system that you created. So if you don't have a smooth process to, you know, get clarity and quickly deal with stuff, I think that's kind of, you know, you've said one of the things that you know, is the biggest hangup for people is getting things out of your head, but that's just the beginning. I think then, oh man, some people get freaked out. They say, well, I've got all this stuff out of my head. Now it's in a list. And now I'm just, you know, drowning in lists. <laughs> so Yeah, right. And so t talk to any cook about how a really good cook that loves to cook in the kitchen. I love to use the kitchen analogy now because that's pretty universal. And most people can kind of relate to that. And if you say, D do you hate cookbooks? 
because of so many options and so many lists? Oh, no. I love the fact that I can flip to there and see how, what I might want to do and what I might want to add and how I might want to change all that. Yeah, no kidding. So if you don't like lists, throw away your cookbooks because those are all they are, checklists, uh, you know, for any kind of thing you might want to do that you might want to be reminded of when you're trying to do it. So I love to use the kitchen as an analogy because even kids, especially those that, I mean, these days, come on, chef used to be just a blue collar job. Now it's like, you know, these are the heavyweights, uh, you know, of the, of the world in terms of three-star Michelin chefs and, you know, super chefs and chef, you know, competitions on the web, you know, I'm God, all that stuff going on. But the truth is, if you go to a chef, if you ever worked in the kitchen and I have, it's a great place to get a training about all of this. You know, the, the French chefs, you know, have a phrase, mise en, mise en place. I mean, before the bell rings at four o'clock in the afternoon to get ready for the, the, the evening's dinner shift and rush, you know, everything had better be in its place. I mean, we need every place in the thing. We need every food. We need whatever. And then it's going to get crazy. You know, as I've said over many years, you know, <clears throat> your most creative space is when you have the freedom to make a mess. But if you're in a mess, you can't make one. So what the French chefs are always doing or what any good chef is always doing is cleaning up so that they have the freedom to make the mess they're going to make when they're in their creative game, you know, making dinner and doing all that stuff and being creative and, and, and trying to manage all that stuff. So that whole idea of how do I get things so clear so that I have the freedom to be creative and spontaneous. If we can just teach our kids to think that way and to realize and to recognize that and give them tools for it. Wow. Everything in its place. Yeah, every, everything in its place. And, and I love kind of the analogy of maybe, you know, we've, we've capturing all these things. If we think of, if we think of capturing and we think of it as, you know, buckets and, you know, we have one bucket that we're kind of funneling everything that we're capturing into. And then we go into that one bucket and then we say, okay, there's a couple of other buckets where it really needs to go. How quickly can we sort this out? pick the thing up, glance at it quickly, and then put it in the correct bucket and then move on. And I think people just think that that's going to take way longer than it should. But there's a psychological <laughs> shift, you know, like for me, I, I get I've gotten a whole lot better at that. And I think partly it's one fine tuning the system to where I shift it to a psychological, you know, a psychological shift of I'm not managing my system. I'm making quick decisions about, oh, where does this go? Really quickly, you know, just being done with it and then moving on and, and maybe, and, you know, and of course, one of those buckets, it's probably a, hey, I don't need to touch this for another, you know, couple of weeks. It'll get brought back up at the next, you know, whether it's my own weekly review or it's the family weekly review, which bucket of those does it go into? Boom, done, move on, you know, and, and I think people think that just takes so much longer than it really does, especially if the stuff piles up. But again, that's why you keep doing it at correct intervals. So speaking of which, actually, so, you know, in terms of levels of focus and weekly review, but then also like, how often do you switch between like these levels? And, you know, how do you relate those levels when it comes to like, maybe if you're having a family weekly review once a quarter, all right, we're having a 10,000 foot family view or something, or maybe that's just the parents. I don't know. I'm, I'm still thinking about this. You can tell I'm thinking about all of this. Well, uh, when should you start thinking about the summer vacation and what you're going to do with the kids? Well, well before it's time for summer vacation to start for sure. Are you when for you? Yeah. When, would, when do you think you need that put a trigger in this? Hey guys, let's, let's all get together around, around dinner and talk about next summer. Yeah. What we want to do. 
Well, we, and, and now that, I mean, we're recording this halfway sort of through this summer of, uh, 2018. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, I actually am already thinking of summer of 2019 based on stuff we've already done this year. And I have a place where I'm dropping those things into as they come up and I think about it. There's nothing for me to do about it right now, but there's definitely something for me to do about it later. And that, by the way, how many more summers do you think you're going to have with your girl? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's only gosh. Well, you know, her, her in the house, it's, you know, five, I think. Right. So So you got five, you got five options about what you're going to do with her along with you. If that, yeah. Because she's going to be 18. Come on. You know, these days at 16, <laughs> she's going to want to go, what? I, you know, come on, dad. I know. But but my friends and whatever we're going here, we're not going to go with you. Yeah. But but to then engage her and your son in these conversations. Hey, guys, what do you guys like to do? Where do we want to go? So it's it's really about a lot of what GTD was initially designed to do was to capture the things that are nagging at you and gnawing at you and pulling on you and distracting you. A whole lot of what the new game of GTD is, what are the things you ought to be thinking about or could be thinking about that would then give you add value to what you're doing? That kind of conversation. So if you say, what horizon do we need to be looking at? Just understanding, hey, just look out the next five years. Say what's going to show up and therefore what conversations or what actions or projects might you need to put into play that would be important for you. And the kids, the same thing. Do they care where they want to go to college? Does she care yet? Is she looking at that? Well, that's a pretty much a, a, you know, a level four horizon four conversation called vision. You know, what would wild success for her be five years from now? You know, what does she want to be doing? She's obviously got things going on in her brain called things that she's excited about. She wants to be a fashion designer. She wants to write software. She wants to be a horse rider. You know, I, I don't know. You know, what's going on with her? So these are conversations that simply have to do with all I did with GTD was recognize these levels of horizons that we have commitments and interest in and start to acknowledge those, get them out of your head so they don't just pass you by. <laughs> so you, hey, what do I need to get done about the fact that I want to be a, a great jumper on a horse? You know, what do I need to do? You know, what's next? And I think both your kids at those ages should be able to have a, a next action answer to that. Yeah. Whether it's the right one or not, we don't know, but they'll, they'll find out and that's their training and that's what they should be doing. Hey, let me make a next choice. How'd that do? Wow. Well, that didn't work. Well, great. So what's next? I believe it's Mike Williams that with the index cards and his kids where he, you know, sit down before a summer would happen and he'd, you know, give them in index cards and say, okay, write down everything that you wish by the end of the summer that you would have done or we would have done or, or something along those lines and then comes back in and then they start identifying next actions. And, and the cool thing, you know, that he describes is that, you know, those, the, the cards were empty when he left the room and then he comes back in and, there's these desires, there's these wants. It's not just about getting stuff that you, that you have to get done. It, like you said, the GTD has, has kind of uh, transitioned into, it's about what do you want to get done? The elegant stuff that Mike did with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and, and I think going back to the levels of focus then is like, that's like having 
I mean, I can't remember exactly all the different levels of focus, the 10,000 foot and all that, but like, essentially, that's a higher level than they've probably thought about it and literally taken even the smallest bit of action on up to that point in their lives. But by doing that, it gets them more comfortable with going there and spending time there. And then as far as levels of focus and how frequently you need to be looking at those it's it's all in context it depends on what it is and you know who it is and who's involved and all of that and again that all gets bogged down into you know some people would say oh that's a lot of work but yeah that's the point it's not work if you're planning a trip to say disney or something that's a dream well said so yeah, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I can't wait to help my family get it. And this book is a great way for, again, not just teens who have never heard it or parents who've never heard it, but also us parents who have heard it to become more familiar with it and reminded of it and get it maybe for the first time really ever. You well, you, you don't, you don't learn it till you teach it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great point. <laughs> so, and that's kind of what I try to do here a little bit on the show, but David, this is awesome. I'm going to point people to this book in the show notes and the conversation that you had with, uh, Mike Williams and Mark Wallace about the book over that you guys just released, I think today. So, yep. and the book is out today. So no, no it having is. to wait and pre-order it. Speaking as a parent and a productivity enthusiast, I couldn't be more happy for this book. And so this is another great synthesization. Is that a word? It, it will be now. Uh, it will be now. Yeah. Of the methodology. <laughs> it's great for every, I mean, it really is. This book, it really is not just for teens, even though it says it, it's for everybody and everybody should go get it. Thanks again, David. Eric, you're terrific. And send me a link and I'll put it on social media for oh, us. Thank you. Everybody. So I'm not exactly sure where you're coming from after this conversation, whether you're a teen who listens to the show, which that's great. You're already ahead of the game. Or you're a parent who has a teen who would greatly benefit from this book. Or you're a parent who had already done GTD before and maybe got it or understood it and loved it or got it or not quite got it and <laughs> needed to re-get it or whatever you want to call it. Or honestly, if you're an adult out there and you don't have teens, you may want to still consider grabbing this book because, like I said, and like we talked about in this conversation, it really synthesizes the GTD, the getting things done methodology down to a much more simple, much more easy way to understand it. And even if you don't use everything in the methodology, there is stuff in this book. There is stuff when it comes to the five steps, the capturing, the clarifying, organizing, reflecting and reviewing, the levels of focus, the planning map, all of that, that as an adult... This book may be secretly the best GTD book that is out there. So <laughs> you can find the link to this book by going to the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 231. There you will also find the link to the conversation that David Allen referenced that he had with the other co-authors, Mike Williams and Mark Wallace. Again, that's beyondthetodolist.com slash 231. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you join me next episode. I've got a lot of great guests and conversations coming up in the next two to three months that are scheduled and being recorded as we speak. If you've not subscribed, make sure to do that, and I will see you next episode. <laughs>